you know, every leader is different. Every person is different. Every manager is different. There's a massive difference between being a good manager and being a good leader. And leadership just takes time. It takes mistakes. It takes, you know, knowing what to do in certain situations, knowing how to treat people, how not to treat people. But I've always just kind of worked by the simple premise. If you just treat people the way you want to be treated, things will tend to work themselves out. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, Matt, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. All right. That was all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) It was. It was. Uh, Question for you. All right. Outside of a zoo, because I know you go to the zoo, but in any other attraction experience, have you ever encountered a wild animal? (laughs) Ah, oh, a wild animal. Um, I mean, I've definitely seen ducks in the Magic Kingdom, but that doesn't count. I mean, there was another wild animal in the Magic Kingdom, which I think, which is probably where this is. Uh, this is alluding to that was that happened recently. Oh, that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. What about you? Um. Well, it was a, uh, it was down in Mexico, and it was a uh, kind of a wildlife. Well, it wasn't a zoo, and it wasn't really a true wildlife park, but there was one of those big monitor lizards, like out in the walkway. Hmm. Um. But I don't know. But it, like I said, it wasn't like a a zoo or a wildlife park. It was kind of a nature park, but they didn't yeah. have like animals in habitats or anything like that. So maybe that's sure. the closest. Because, okay. um, yeah, I don't think ducks count. Have you ever been to Flamingo Gardens? I never have, no. So it, it is an animal park, and they do have a lot of animal habitats. They also have hundreds, possibly thousands. I don't know. We might have to get verification of this. <laughs> peacocks. That oh. Own property. Like, so, okay. They're just walking around. Yeah. It's weird but really cool oh and there was another time i it was was, this wasn't at an attraction but this was at a resort in the u.s virgin islands called keneal bay that had donkeys just just i don't know they just lived on the property Interesting. interesting it was interesting so i do remember when i worked at canopy lake park in new hampshire there were some peacocks that were just roam free around the property. Yeah. I guess they're wild animals. I don't know. They just kind of roamed around and poked at people's hubcaps and stuff. And Yeah. They're pretty they, chill. They are. But, but they can move. They can move and they can squawk really loud. Um, and when they put their feathers up in the big fan, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. It is pretty um, spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why, yeah, why, why on earth are you asking me this? <laughs> well, it just so happens that uh, our guest today, Greg Fuller, who is the general manager of Anakista in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, tells us that one of the operational challenges that he faces and his team face are bears. Bears. In the park. In the park. Hanging out. Just like the peacocks at Flamingo Gardens. <laughs> yes. Donkeys at Camille Bay. They do, uh, uh, they are in the bear's natural habitat, right? In the mountains of, of Gatlinburg. So it's not uncommon, uh, but 
that is something you probably don't necessarily expect to see at most, you know, attractions is just a, a bear wandering around. It definitely is not. And if you're not expecting it, it might be mildly alarming. It could be. I would imagine that it would. So I, I, I'm guessing the guests go somewhere prepared that, hey, we might see some some wildlife today. I would hope so. If you're in that part of the country, right, you're in the Smoky Mountains. So I would hope that they would be somewhat prepared. But, you know, even around here where I live in, in Western North Carolina, we have black bears that roam our streets sometimes. Yeah. And I was walking my dog one time and I was just walking down this one street that we always go down and probably, I don't know, 40 yards ahead of me, there was just a bear right in the middle of the street. And I said, huh, there's a bear. And I just turned around and we walked the other way and bear never, you know, got in our face or did anything. And, uh, you know, so I think as long as, you, well, I don't want to give bear advice, but for the most yeah. part, in my experience, if you don't bother them, they don't bother you. Now that's different. If you get in between a mama bear and her cubs, don't do that. Uh, but for the most part, if you're not getting in the way of mama bear and her cubs or bear in the food, you're probably okay. This, At least black not, bears. This is not bear pros podcast. No, so it's, we, not, we it's not. All right. well, getting back to Greg. Yeah. Right. Getting back to Greg and his experience at Anakista, he's relatively new at Anakista. He worked for a long time at Six Flags. And, you know, one of the things that he talks about throughout his career that he found is helpful is taking care of his team and really treating them the way he would want to be treated. The that message uh, resonated or it just came up so many times throughout, you know, throughout the interview. Like you said, he's new to Anakista, but he is not new to the industry. He uh, was with Six Flags for 32 years before joining the uh, the team in Anakista as general manager in early 2023. And he talks about his career journey where he worked in a warehouse and then in retail and in games and food and beverage and then operations and then water parks. And I, I think I, I think I got all of them. I might have missed one or two or so. And with each of those roles, he had never had any previous experience in that in that particular uh department or that area of the business. And you know, when we asked about like, how, you know, how'd you learn that so much? He said, the most important thing is about taking care of the team and they'll take care of you. So he said that that was, that was the biggest way that he was able to, I would say, not just learn the skills, learn the department, but also be able to, uh, uh, to be the trusted leader in that, uh, in that team as he went into an environment that was otherwise unfamiliar. Absolutely. And speaking of an unfamiliar environment for him, uh, Anakista, like when he got the call, uh, he said he had to Google it and, and figure out what the what the park was all about. But he said when he went there and when he gets to go up there every day, it's a, just an awe-inspiring experience. And, you know, from a guest perspective, it's very different from any other kind of park because you do have to go up the chandala to get up to the top. It's not a chocolate gondola, although that'd be really cool. I would expect that at Hershey. Maybe not at Anakista, oh. um, but you you have to you have to go up the uh, the chairlift to get up to the top. Uh, but up there, I mean, just fantastic views of the Smoky Mountains and kind of an adventure park on the top of a mountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he walks us through the entire experience. And the way that it sounds like to me is, you need to go there at least eight times a year because you need to experience it in every single season. So that's four. And then you need to experience it during the day and at night. So, you know, you got to do each of each of those twice. So 
they're able to use the natural environment. I see it as a huge marketing advantage to say this is why you you need to buy an annual pass or this is why you need to come back, you know, at least every few months uh, because it's a completely different experience. And they tap into that with the events that they hold throughout the year. And, uh, you know, we talked about Astro Lumina of of the the trail with all the lights and being able to uh metaphorically reach up and you know and and grab the stars and uh it, it just sounds uh, just like such a phenomenal experience that is very different from most other attractions and or even types of attractions absolutely well i think their marketing team may be giving you a call um to to talk about those eight different times that everybody should be coming <laughs> Um, but, you know, one of the other thing that really permeated this conversation, and you kind of alluded to it, was getting out of your comfort zone. You know, in terms of if you want to pursue a career in the business, there's going to be times when you're going to be uncomfortable. And again, you hear Greg talk about his career path, and there were so many different opportunities that he took that he may not have had a ton of experience in, but he did it because he had a passion. He could relate to the people. And oh, by the way, then he could put himself in a position to learn the tactical part of it. So, you know, getting outside of your comfort zone, I think is, you know, good advice anyway, just to learn new things and experience new people and find new ways to do things. Uh, But especially when it comes to your career path, Greg has a lot of great advice about that. Yeah. He talked about getting out of your comfort zone when talking about his personal career journey, and then with leadership advice for you know aspiring professionals from a networking standpoint. So it was cool to hear it from, from both angles and really fuse them together. So should we jump on the chandala and get to this interview with Greg? I am very excited. Let's do it. Hey, Greg, welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing great. So excited for this conversation. Can't wait to hear more about your career in Anakista, but let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your career in the industry. Okay. Well, it started a long time ago. I started, like many others in this industry, uh, started when I was 16. You know, it was my first job in high school. Um, worked for the food warehouse at Six Flags Over Georgia. So I had a couple of buddies that uh, were in leadership there. And, you know, I wanted to get, I needed to get a job, but I really didn't want to work in customer service. Right. I really didn't want to deal with, I really didn't want to deal with people. So I got a warehouse job. I'm like, Oh, this would be great. So I did that for a few years, um, uh, seven years actually through high school and college and went to, uh, went to school at university of West Georgia. I was West Georgia college back then, but, um, graduated college and with an English degree, uh, with a secondary education minor, so I was supposed to be a teacher. Um, and teaching just kind of comes naturally in the theme park business, especially in leadership positions. So um, I was offered a full-time position in 1997 uh, to be a full-time retail supervisor at Sits Flies Over Georgia. And uh, I was paying a little bit more than teaching at the time, uh, so I took it. And, you know, the rest is history, so, so they say. So I started... Uh, did that for a couple of years. Uh, in 2000, I got the opportunity to become a games manager. So, you know, one of the things that I always used to joke about with with my career specifically is I spent 32 years with one company. Well, not a joke necessarily, but 32 years with one company. Um, but I, I always took roles that I didn't have any experience in prior. Does that make sense? So when I started, you know, I, was, I spent seven years in the warehouse. And then in 97, I was offered a full-time position in retail. And I'm like, well, I've never worked in retail, but it worked out. And then in 2000, I was offered a games manager position. 
And I told my director at the time, uh, you know, I've never worked in games. And he's like, uh, you'll figure it out. It'll be fine. And then in uh, 05, I had an opportunity to go back to retail as a manager. Uh, then in 2009, I became revenue director or in-part services director uh, that was over all of F&B, catering, uh, retail games, attractions, arcades, everything. And, and same director, I said, well, you know, I don't have any food experience, right? Like, I've never worked in food. I've never worked in catering. He's like, oh, you'll figure it out. You'll be fine. So I did that and uh, did that for about nine years. And then in 2018, um, I had a really cool opportunity to kind of cross over. My uh, part president at the time, Dale Kessel, uh, wanted to swap myself and our ops director. He had a crazy idea. He's like, both of you guys have been in these roles a long time. So I'm just going to flip you. I'm just going to switch you. Greg, you're going to ops. Jason, you're going to revenue. And we both were like, oh, okay, we'll give it a shot. And uh, so that was the first time I had really kind of dove into the operations world. So I became the operations director in 2018. And, um, and it was a blast. Uh, at that point, I was over uh, still, again, all at Centralized River, Georgia. Um, and I was over um, all things ops, you know, admissions, uh, rides, security, park services, and did that for a whopping nine months until Dell came back to me at the end of 2018 and said, hey, we have a general manager position open in the water park in Marietta, so it's Whitewater, and um, I, I need you to go there. I'm like, oh, okay, great. I'll do it. I've never worked in a water park. You know that, right? Like, I don't have any water park experience. He's like, oh, you'll be fine. So that was kind of the, you know, the running you know, joke of, not say joke of my career necessarily, y'all can edit that out, but um, <laughs> just kind of, you know, I, I I kept progressing through the ranks, always with Sid's Flags, uh, until here recently, um, in April, May of this year, I uh, had been reached out to um, from a recruiter for an opportunity uh, at, a, at a place called Anakista, and I'm like, i I don't even know what that is. Like I had to Google it. Like I'd never heard of Anakista. Um, and what I found was a beautiful, amazing property that immediately I was interested in. So, and it was here in Gatlinburg and the great city of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. So, um, you know, for me in my career at that point, you know, my, my kids are older. Um, you know, my youngest graduated high school last year. So I was kind of at a point in my career. I'd spent a, a, a lot of time at Six Flags, obviously. And and I was looking, you know, to kind of make a change. Uh, and that change presented itself. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be offered the general manager position here at Anakista. Uh, I've been in that role since early June. So that's, uh, and it's, it's, again, unlike any other positions that I've had um, over the years, I've never worked on top of a mountain. Um, however many thousand feet we are up in the air here. So, um, so yeah, so it's been great, but that's kind of the, the, the background of, of my story. That's a, that's such a fascinating journey that you've taken just, you know, throughout, you know, throughout the course of your career to lead to where you are today. And I know we want to talk more about Anakista, but curious first, if we can talk about how, well, first, it seems like you've worked every job in the business that, that is possible. <laughs> There's probably very Pretty few that, that you haven't, right? I, the mindset of taking on a job with something that you don't have any previous experience in. Can you talk about maybe how you I'd say accelerate the learning curve and be able to to gain the skills of you know now it's it's warehouse, it's retail, and then in F and B and operations and water park and you know and all of that with maybe maybe connecting the dots with prior experience and perhaps a different area of the business, but being able to to kind of fill in the gaps as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, I, I will say it's, um, you know, it wasn't always easy, obviously, but it was kind of, it was kind of two things. The, the one side of it to me was the people side of the business, right? So people, people are people. And I think good leaders know how to connect and adapt to any sort of situation. And, and, and by no means am I the perfect leader. I, nobody can say they're the perfect leader, but I do think I have enough leadership skills that I've, I've acquired and learned and gained over the years to be able to adapt really to any situation and, and, and really to focus on the people. I, I've always felt like if you take care of your team, your team will take care of you. And that's, that was really, you know, kind of what I would call the soft side of the business. And, and that was the easy part for me. It was always easy to connect with people. It was always easy to, to talk as you can see on this podcast. It's, I have no problem conversing with people. So, um, you know, that was always the, the, the gift of gab as, as some, some would call it. Um, I've never had an issue connecting with people. So that's, that's half of it. The other half is what I would call the, the hard skills or the technical or the tactical side of the business. And, and that was a little tougher at times, you know, learning to go from a warehouse environment to a retail position, to a games position, to a director, and then to ultimately to a general manager role, you know, that tactical side of the business changes quite a bit, right? Because you're, you're learning more things. You're in charge of more responsibilities. You, you have to know more about the, the hard skills of the business. But, but really what I've learned over the years is that the soft skills is kind of what segues you into that, right? Like if you, again, you, you take care of your team, get the trust of the team, build your team the way you feel like, it, you know, is best uh, serving in whatever role that is or whatever part that is. Um, everything else seems to take care of itself. Like that was always kind of my, my philosophy is that if you just take care of folks, um, things tend to work out. And, you know, for the most part, that's always kind of been the case with me. So I think that's, that's kind of where my focus has always been. It's just really on, on those, what I call soft skills and the, the people side of the business and, and, and create an environment where people want to work and want to come to work every day and want to excel and want to progress through the range. You know, I, I got to a point where, you know, I spent 15 years with the company. I'm like, wow, I've been here forever. Like, this is crazy. And then I got to 20 years and I got to 25 years and, you know, the, you, you kind of, the perception of you as a leader also changes because you, when you're in a role or in a, in a company, not so much a role, but in a company that long, you build a lot of credibility and you build a lot of um, um, equity, I would say, that, that people just have trust in you and, and they, they trust you to be the leader. And um, and that was the challenging part of leaving Six Flags and coming to Anakista is that nobody knew me. <laughs> and, and I had not been in that situation forever, honestly, in a long, long, long time. So, so that was one of the first challenges coming here is that I, I was, I was unknown. Like I, I've, you know, I had to spend, I'm still spending time building that trust and building, focusing on the people side of the business. And again, focusing on the team and, you know, those lessons I learned over the years at Sith Flags, I'm, I'm putting those to play here at Anakista. So, Greg, I think it's interesting. You took that first job in the warehouse because you didn't want to deal with people. And now it's all about <laughs> people, right? <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious if we can go a little deeper because I love what you say about uh, taking care of your team. And that's really one of your, your main focuses, one of your priorities. Can you give us a sense of what that 
looks like? You know, um, I think a lot of people say, well, take care of your team, but what's the day-to-day? What does that look like from an action perspective for you as the GM? Um, you know, I would say I, I've always just tried to stick to um, the simple, simple philosophy of, and get ready for it. It's, it's going to be a shocker, but treat people the way you want to be treated. And everything else tends to just take care of itself. And, and you know, I wish I could be more complicated than that or more complex, or I wish I had a great formula for you. But it's really, to me, that simple. And, and you know, every leader is different. Every person is different. Every manager is different. And there's a massive difference between being a good manager and being a good leader. And leadership just takes time. It takes mistakes. It takes, you know, knowing what to do in certain situations, knowing how to treat people, how not to treat people. But I've always just kind of worked by the simple premise. If you just treat people the way you want to be treated, things will tend to work themselves out regardless of what. And 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 just allow people to do their jobs, allow people to do what they do best. Everybody's in this industry as with with passion like this is a tough industry everybody's job is tough i get it but this is a tough industry and to really excel in this industry it's a passion like you really have to put your heart and soul into it and i'm sure you guys have have talked to many many uh leaders over the years and many many uh, managers and general managers and everyone else on your podcast and and it's tough you know it's it's tough to be uh, a leader of a, of a lot of people, but you really just kind of have to put your faith and to your team, allow your team to do their jobs, allow them to do what they do best and treat them the way you want to be treated yourself. And um, yeah, that was, that was, that's as complicated as I can make it. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. No, it's, it's good advice. Good. I would say words of wisdom. And, uh, you know, like you said, we've, we've talked to many people on the podcast who have brought up the, you know, the, the importance of having, you know, the, the passion for what we do. And I would say every time we hear it, it, you know, it, 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 it hasn't gotten old yet of, of hearing it, you know, it, it just reinforces it every single time. So I, so I appreciate, um, so I appreciate you sharing that. I, so Greg, let's talk a little bit about, I would say, uh, you know, this summer in the last, uh, you know, several months and kind of your, uh, your transition to Anakista, can you share a little bit about, uh, kind of what it was like, uh, moving to the mountains of Tennessee and, and starting this, uh, this new journey? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's been phenomenal. Like I, I love Gatlinburg. I love, you know, I, me, me being a homer to the state of Georgia, right? I was born and raised in Georgia, worked essentially in one part my entire life. Marietta, I worked in two cities, right? Austell for Six Flags Over Georgia and then Marietta for Six Flags Whitewater. But that was it. That was the extent of my traveling, you know, for um, uh, within jobs. So it was a it was a big leap of faith for me to to leave all that and to, you know, get out of my comfort zone a little bit and and come to Anakista and it's just been phenomenal like I love Gatlinburg it's such a different market because it is a very vacation driven market it's it's not a it's not what I would consider a regional theme park necessarily because it is it is Gatlinburg I I think someone told me when I first got here there's and and don't quote me on these numbers but there's roughly 3,000 people that lives here and 6,000 jobs so you know it's a small town that's not a small town and and you know, it's it's heavily driven by the service industry. 
And there's so many of us that live here that we all do the same thing. We all work in some sort of uh, service type job or customer service type job. And um, but it's been phenomenal. And then the Anakista side of it, you know, I, I get to work on a mountain every day. I get to take in like the views are incredible. Like it's just it it is there's there's just I'd hard pressed to say there's anything like it. Like it is such a beautiful park. Um the, the owners and the builders of Anakista have done such a tremendous job over the years. And it's a new park. It's fairly new. We're only going on year seven, right? So uh, it opened in 20, 2017, end of 2017. So um, six years in, we're still kind of a newborn when it comes to, uh, you know, being a theme park uh, company. But um it's been phenomenal. I, I I love working here and love working with the people here. And, and, you know, it has been quite a transition going from Marietta, Georgia to Gatlinburg. Uh, but it's been a great transition. It's just been a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see where these next several years take us. So Greg, can you kind of walk us through the Anakista experience? Because you kind of said it's on top of a mountain and some people like you may be Googling it right now if they'd never heard of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, tell us a little bit about the, the experience from the guest perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's unique in the sense that you can't drive to the parking lot and walk through the gate, right? There's two ways to get to the mountain. So you take the Chandala, and I'll explain what a Chandala is. You have a Chandala or you have the Ridge Ramblers. And that's the only two ways. It's, it's similar in some ways. I think Maggie Valley, Ghost Town in the Sky, might be the only other park that I ever remember. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, that you had to ride a chairlift to get to the park, right? I think there's there's very few of those situations out there. And, and that's the way Anakista is built. So our, our Chandala base is on the parkway in Gatlinburg. Or parking lots right there. You can ride the the and it's a chairlift and a gondola, right? So we have eight uh, enclosed gondolas, and then we also have um, hundred and twelve. I forget. I should have done my homework. I forget the actual number of chairs we have, but we have a lot. And we also have six of the uh, twenty eight to thirty two passenger Ridge Ramblers, and that's your first experience. So once you get your tickets, it's kind of Okay, now what do I do? How do how do I get to the you know to the top of the mountain, so to speak? And so that experience of itself, it takes about fifteen to eighteen minutes to get to the top of the mountain. Um, and then once you get up there, it's just it, it's an outdoor adventure park. Like I, I wouldn't even call it a a theme park, an amusement park. It's an outdoor adventure park. And you know the Anakista experience is really. We have zip lining. We have a mountain coaster. We're about to open a second mountain coaster uh, here shortly within the next couple of days. And by the time this airs, it would have been open about a month. So um, our second mountain coaster is about to open. We've 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 got multiple themed villages throughout the park. Uh, Firefly Village, Black Bear Village, uh, Stone Village is in the back. We have a, a new area, which we'll talk about a little bit later, I think, uh, that's going to open here soon with, uh, called Bird Venture. And you've just got, it's a, aside from all the views and just the beauty of the Smoky Mountains, it, it also, um, it, it's a, it's an adventure park. Like it's an outdoor, um, playgrounds for kids and things like that. So it's, it's, and the views are phenomenal. Like that's, it's like, you just can't beat the views from, from the top of the mountain. Yeah. And we have the Anavista tower. I almost forgot about the tower. That's another 600 feet above the 600 feet 
you you climb to get here. So the chandala brings you up 600 feet and then the Anavista Tower, uh, which there might be a picture of it behind me. I'm not sure. Um, it takes you up another 600 feet. So and from there, from the top of the tower, you can see all the surrounding states like it's it's just it's incredible. So that's a little bit about what the Anakista experience is. Well, I appreciate you explaining the chandala because when I saw it on, on kind of our, our list of questions, I was asking Matt, I said, I, I can only assume that's a chocolate gondola. So I'm glad that that I was able to get that clarification. Uh, the way that you're describing this, I, you know, I'm curious as far as from the guest perspective or even from your perspective, the first time you came and visited, there's like, like you said, you don't drive up and park and walk through the gates and and making the comparison to Six Flags, Six Flags is very easy to get to. You, you, you drive there and you're there. At Anakista, there's more there's more of an, an almost an emotional investment and a time investment to actually get into the park itself. What, what are the reactions like when people get to the top of the mountain? And what was your reaction like the first time you went? Uh, so... <sighs> So those are two different questions, and I'll explain why. <laughs> Two-part <laughs> I'll, I'll explain my reaction second. But the guest reactions are, it, they're just amazing. Like they're like a lot of times because you can't see the park, you know, what I witnessed, especially my first month here, is that a lot of people didn't even realize what was up there. They didn't know. They saw the chairlift. They saw, okay, it's a great, it's a chairlift. Oh, fine. But they didn't really know what was beyond that. So that first piece, though, the chairlift is pretty th thrilling. Like that's it's pretty exciting to go up that chairlift. And as you go up, you can't really see the park. You can't, you know, you're going up the mountain 600 feet and you don't really know what's over there. That's a pretty exciting piece of the experience. So that's where it starts. And then once people get in the park, it's just awe. Like you're just right there on Main Street, essentially, or our version of Main Street, so to speak. Um, and you're you're right there. And it's the, all the incredible views hit you kind of all at once if they hadn't hit you going up the chairlift. Now, my experience was very different. So when I interviewed here and in, in the room that I'm in now, there's a series of, of houses and cabins that were relocated to this property that were already in this area that... Uh, and this is the conference room and my office is right next door in another cabin and the cabins, the offices are separate from the mountain. So to get to the mountain, I can't just walk out my door like it sits flies, you know, you walk out of the admin building and you're boom, you're right there in the park. I have to take a, a Can-Am or a Polaris up the parkway, up the mountain, all the way to the top. And it's about, you know, 12 to 13 minute ride to get to the top just to get to the mountain. So when I first interviewed, I didn't really know all that. So I didn't really know that much about Anakista. I didn't, you know, I'd done a little bit of legwork, a little bit of homework. And I remember getting in the Can-Am uh, with the driver, with Bryce, who's the, um, the president of Anakista, Bryce Bentz. And he drove me to the top. And I just remember thinking, you know, we're going through this winding road all the way to the top and the views just get better and better and better. And then you get to the top and you're on the mountain. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I, if they pick me, I get to do this every day. And it was just it was phenomenal. So my experience, the team member experience is even more different than the guest experience. So. Yeah. And I would imagine. You know, there's there's a certain 
um, allure to working at a theme park. You know, if you love roller coasters or something like that, and if you love nature, working at the top of the mountain in in Anakista would pro- probably kind of hold that same allure. Um, but I'm also wondering, what are some of the challenges of running a park that's on top of the mountain? Because I would imagine you've got weather and things like that, but I would imagine there's some other things that uh, might come into play that might be a, an operational uh, challenge or roadblock for you. Bears. <laughs> we have bears. That is, so if you're built in a... Sorry about that. Okay. You have to edit that piece. My apologies. Um, as long as it wasn't a bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great timing. It's right there. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, so there are a couple challenges and, and, and bears are one of them. We're built kind of in their natural habitat. Right. And, and that's one of the allures of coming to Gatlinburg too, is that you might get to see bears and, and, you know, for people visiting the area um, it's, it could be a once in a lifetime thing, right? If you're visiting from a, a Philadelphia or from an LA or even from an Atlanta, you probably haven't seen a live black bear. And, you know, there's roughly 1900 of them here in the Smokies. So, and it feels like they're all here at Anakista because I see them every day. But there's just, there's a constant parade of bears all around. And, and that creates some operational challenges, right? Like if they get into the park, you have to kind of deal with that um everything has to be secure gatlinburg has their own special trash cans right everything has a latch on it that's bear proof if you didn't know that now you know that was new to me you know when i moved here i'm like oh what's this trash can enclosed in metal well it's bear proof um the other piece of that and then matt you mentioned was weather and weather is a really big piece of it as i mentioned earlier there's only two ways to get to the top right the ridge ramblers and the chandalas um that means there's only two ways down. And when weather hits, uh, it does become quite a challenge. It, it is, and again, you're 600 feet up on the mountain. It's even more elevated when weather hits up there. So it's, it is a big challenge. It's, and again, it's not just like a regular theme park where, you know, if a storm hits and people start leaving, you open the gates and they walk to their cars. Well, they're relying on us for transportation to get them safely down the mountain, which the operations team here does every day just phenomenally and um you know so that's a couple of the i I was you know semi-joking about the bears but it's really not a joke like that that is one of the challenges of working in this environment uh and then weather is probably the biggest piece um there's a few other um you know like operational challenges like for example parking in gatlinburg is, is tough uh, it's, a, it's a real challenge in park, to, to park in Gatlinburg. So we have team member transportation. We have to provide for our team members. So we have uh, shuttle buses that will pick them up from remote lots throughout Gatlinburg and, um, and then drive them to the mountain to their job. So we have to provide employee transportation uh, as well as you know, the Ridge Ramblers and, and the Chandala for the guests. So uh, so that presents a challenge for, for our team members as well. Uh, we do provide free parking for them at a couple of different lots, but then we have to go get them and bring them to the mountain and then take them back after. So it it is a, it could be an inconvenience for the team members if you don't take care of your people, right? If you don't treat them right, that's one of those things that are like, well, I don't, I don't want to do, I don't need to deal with that. Right. So we really have to focus on our team to make sure we're taking care of them and making sure they, they are part of the family and they want to be here every day because that is one of the logistical challenges of being on a mountain is you have to get your team members up there. So 
And our transportation department does a phenomenal job transporting just not just our guests, but also our team members. That's so interesting. And, uh, you know, the way you describe that, I mean, that's that's an operational challenge that most attractions don't have. And and that was, you know, a, a new one for you coming from, you know, coming from Six Flags and being able to uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier and, and sort of helping to accelerate that that learning curve. Definitely. One of the things we're we're curious about too, this kind of ties into the, you know, there's there's the views of the park, but then being able to, I would say, leverage that into the guest experience to be able to influence repeat visitation. Cause I've got to imagine that the view changes probably multiple times a year. At the time of this recording, it might be different from the time at the release, for you know, for instance. Uh it, does that does that play into I would say marketing strategy and being able to, you know, say, hey, this is what it looks like today, but three months from now it's going to look entirely different. Yeah, it, it does a little bit. And and we, you know, you can kind of see that with our uh, kind of pricing strategy. And then also, you know, un, the the real difference here and the, the not so much challenge for me coming on, but one of the eye openers is that, I mean, we're open year round, essentially. So we're, we start March 1st and we're open every day through the end of the year. This year, I think it's January 7th. So we're open through January 7th. And then January and February, we go back to just weekends. So we go back to, I think, Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, for January, February, and then March 1st rolls around because that becomes, again, as a, as a tourist destination, you know, Gatlinburg, we've got people come from all over. So um, spring breaks are different. So March and April is when all the spring breaks hits. We have to be open for that. You know, summers are different for people. Fall's different. And, you know, here in the Smokies as well, the leaves start changing. So we're getting into that season right now that a lot of people will visit just for that. And so we're right now, we're we're heading into a really peak fall season. Uh, August and September slow down a little bit. You know, May, June, July is crazy busy. Um, the spring, spring break, like I said, is crazy busy. Uh, but here, as we head into the fall and then head into the winter, you know, the views change tremendously. So, you know, part of what we do, too, is, is we try to provide different um, uh, reasons to visit during that period of time. So we had our Blooms and Tunes Festival back in the spring that was very flower focused and blooms focused. And, you know, it was just a very vibrant and, and lively. We had our uh, sunset in the Smokies for the summer. So, you know, the the marketing push was, hey, come up in the evening. And we also opened After Lumina, uh, which is incredible. Uh, if, you, if you don't know what it is, we can talk a little bit about that. But After Lumina opened last October, and it gives people a reason to visit at night or to come back to the park, right? Uh, and that kind of plays into us expanding our offerings for everyone and have something for everybody to do. Um, and then as you go into the fall, when the leaf, like I said, when the leaves start changing, um, Gatlinburg as a whole just gets very busy. And and our whole focus is to figure out how to capture as much of that market share as we possibly can. So, Greg, you mentioned a couple of areas or, or attractions within Anakista. You mentioned the Bird Venture. You've also mentioned Astro Lumina. Um, I'm wondering if you could kind of give us a, a little more of a rundown of both of those. Yeah, so, uh, so I'll start with Astro Lumina. So we opened that in October of last year. Um, it was designed between our development team here and the owner, Bob Betts and, and Karen, Bob, Karen and Bryce, the Benses are the owners of Anakista. I didn't start out with that. I should have had, I apologize, Bob, Karen, Bryce, if you watch this, um, but the owners of Anakista wanted to, uh, with the development team, wanted to create a nighttime event, um, 
that will draw people back to the park or help us spread the attendance out. Because obviously with a park like this, you you could run into capacity issues, right? So if you've got just two ways to get people up, you've got limited parking in Gatlinburg, you know, there are some, some challenges there we have to work with them. So having that nighttime event seemed like a great idea to be able to spread people out throughout the day. And that's exactly what it did. So Astro Lumina was, is designed between our in-house team and a company called Moment Factory. And I believe there's 15 of these around the world. There's only 15, I should say, of these around the world. And we're the only one in the United States at the moment that's permanent. So there's a few traveling ones, I, I believe, that will set up and they run seasonally. Um, but ours is a little over a mile, circuit through the woods. And it's very, as the name um, alludes to, uh, Astrolumina is very nighttime and stars and, and just you know, the universe, you know, and I think one of the sayings we have is um, if you reach for the stars, what if the stars could reach out to you? And that's one of the kind of the themes that kind of goes throughout. And it's very, there's nine different theme zones. Um, each one is about a three to four minute show uh, in and of itself. And you can walk on to the next and it takes about 45 minutes to go through. Could take be a little quicker if you move faster. If you stay longer, it could take you up to an hour to go through it. So um, it's just a really beautiful event. And then we also bird venture. I mentioned earlier it's our new um, treetop uh, birdhouses that we're building in the back of the park. Uh, in as part of our new Stone Village area that opened about a month ago, uh, the new Hellbender roller coaster, as I mentioned earlier, or the Hellbender mountain coaster. I apologize, the mountain coaster. Uh, that will open here shortly. And then Bird Venture is a series of three tree houses um, that, I'm sorry, three bird houses that really are designed to show off the animals of the Smokies. We have one that's an owl, a woodpecker, a uh, bluebird, and they're all themed, heavily, heavily, heavily themed, both the exterior and the inside of the bird houses. And there's walking trails and climbing trails to get up to it. And there's seven huge slides that will take you back down to the base level. It, it is it's just very unique, and it's going to be a really, really cool addition to the park. Um, and it will open here later uh, later this year, early November is what we're targeting right now. Awesome. Very cool. I, you know, the way that you're uh, describing both of these events here and then even, you know, the mountain coaster and, you know, and, and the attractions that uh, it is distinctly smoky mountains right it is distinctly based on the region like it, it's not something that can easily be copied and pasted from you know from anywhere else uh, and then even going back to what you were saying earlier as far as being like an outdoor adventure park versus an amusement park and curious as far as how how all of that i would say bakes into the overall experience and then really leading to the the takeaway what's you know what's the guest walking away with are they are they learning about the animals and you know and natural environment of the area and and the history of of all of it because it sounds like there's there really a lot of opportunities for i would say an educational experience as well yeah I, there really is and that's one of the things that we we try to we do have some partnerships for example like with friends of the smokies uh friends of the smokies is one of the groups that we work with that we we allow uh, our guests to make donations to to try to expand the the awareness of friends of the smokies and what they do for land uh, conservation and preservation and and you know that's one of the groups that we work with but also you know to to answer your question directly in terms of the takeaway 
we we want people to walk away feeling like they they have really experienced the Smoky Mountains. And, you know, downtown Gatlinburg, there's so many different things to do. There's so many restaurants and and really cool places, a great aquarium right across the street. There's lots of things to do. But our focus is really to get people to feel like they're taking a little piece of the mountains away with them um, when they head back. We want to provide the best possible views you can see anywhere in Gatlinburg. And I think we do that really well. And. Uh, so that's one of the pieces. And, and one of the things you mentioned, uh, Josh, in terms of education, um, we do have what's called uh, the firewalk that's up here that I didn't talk about earlier, but it's a series of placards dedicated to the fires of Gatlinburg from 2016, uh, which those those fires were really kind of decimated the area. And Anakista was being built around that time and the fires came all through. So that firewalk explains kind of the history of that it talks about some of the heroes it talks about um some of the locals that that helped during that time and kind of what those fires did to the mountain and did to this area um so that's kind of one of those one of the pieces the educational pieces that we provide here that we want people again to walk away feeling like they've got a little piece of the smokies right like a little little slice of heaven up here and that you can just kind of take it with you and take it with you in your pictures and your memories um, and, and really create an experience that you just can't get anywhere else. Greg, one of the things I'm curious about for you personally, you know, you came up through Six Flags and obviously that's a, a large corporate uh, environment, but you keep talking about the people and taking care of things. Now you're at Anakista. It's a smaller operation, you know, um, obviously people may be a little different in Gatlinburg than they are in Atlanta um, in terms of the, the customer base or even the, the employees that you have there. So has your leadership style changed at all, or have there been any adjustments that you've had to make um, in making this move to Anakista? Um, You know what, man, I don't think my leadership style has changed at all. I, I think, you know, I'm, I've, I've been doing this a long time um 32 years in the industry i'm 48 years old so you know you can do the math obviously i mentioned i started when i was 16 so you know my my leadership style hasn't changed you know what's different is that i, I alluded to this a little bit earlier you know i i came from a very and you mentioned a very corporate environment right from a very uh six flags is very structured and corporate and not just six flags but but the sea worlds and and bush and you know, the cedar fairs and it's it's a very corporate theme park environment and you know here it's it's really like family like we're you mentioned a smaller operation but really this this operation is massive like like transporting people back and forth all day long the amount of full-time headcount that we have to have here because we do operate year-round you know the the year-round operation me coming from a water park um, the year round is taking a little get used to, I have to be honest with you, because, you know, we, we operated about 88 days at Whitewater. Um, and you know, that was our season. You, you had 88 to 90 days during a, a summer water park season. And then you would help out the, at the dry park in the, in the shoulder months. Um, and here it's daily operation every, we're open nine to nine or nine to 10 pretty much every day. And, that has been a bit of a challenge to get used to and and just because it's just a different mindset. So from a from a leadership standpoint, I really haven't changed my leadership style. It's just more 
I've had to get used to a very different operation with a different set of people um, on the team member side specifically um, because we we are year round employment. Like we are we are providing livelihoods for our for our staff here. And, you know, I came from an environment that was used to more high school and college students, you know, working primarily during the, the shorter season, specifically in the water park. And that's not the case here. You know, we're we're providing uh, lots of career opportunities here, and 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 lots of opportunities for growth. And, and one of the cool things to me about working in a uh, it, it's it's a family owned business, right? So working in a family owned business, you can make decisions very quickly, uh, which that's not always the case in the corporate in the corporate world. Um, and the sits flags structure sometimes you've got multiple layers or different approvals and. That's not the case here. We can move quick. Like if we want to make a change, we can we can do it immediately. If we want to, if we feel like we need to improve an area here, we can we can focus on that very quickly. So um, that has been a really welcome change. Honestly, that's been a very um, a very cool thing to be a part of. Um, again, coming from a more structured corporate environment. Nice. Uh, so, Greg, we just have a, a few minutes left here, but wondering as far as advice that you would give to up and coming leaders in the attractions industry. Um, you know, I, I think if you put I, what I would put out there is that if, you know, I mentioned earlier, this really is an industry of passion, right? It's an industry of love. Like you just kind of get you get hooked. And if if that bug bites you, like if that's something that you get into the leadership role and you you start kind of looking at what is my career going to be, I think hard work and perseverance is going to take you a long ways because there's so many opportunities within the industry. And you guys know from all the people that you talk to and and all the uh, 300 plus podcasts that you've done with with attraction leaders, you know, um, there's so many opportunities out there. And even if it's just within one company or within multiple companies, or there's so much pathway for growth in this industry. And, and I think if people get bit by that theme park bug and they get bit by the love for this industry or love for roller coasters or love for whatever it is that, that you fall in love with, with this industry, um, there's many, many opportunities. So work hard, Persevere because you're going to have to. Every day is not going to be beautiful. Every day is not going to be great. Every day is not going to be perfect. But if you persevere, put in the hard work and just keep pushing. And most importantly, as I mentioned earlier, take care of your teams. Take care of the people around you. Take care of the people that work with you every day uh, because they're the ones that make things tick. They're the ones that make you know everybody's life easier, both the guests and, and, and all of our team members. So just take care of your teams. Whatever, don't forget... The reason we're here and that's to provide tremendous experiences for guests and to provide, you know, possibly sometimes once in a lifetime experiences uh, for our guests. So you got to take care of the guests, got to take care of your teams um, and and work hard and push forward. And there's there, there will be many, many doors open for you. If, if you're a, a young leader in this industry, the, the future is really, really bright. Very, very well said, Greg. And I have one quick uh, follow-up to that sure. because because you started off telling us your career story and how you took all these positions that you didn't really know a lot about. Um, what, what do you say to young uh, leaders who say, I don't know anything about that? I don't know anything. Like getting into, into a position where they don't know anything, but they can figure it out, they can learn. Like, What is your advice in, in those situations? 
I, I think the one thing I didn't mention earlier that, that I'm thinking about now, I probably should have, is that it, a lot of it is relationship building too, right? It, a lot of it is networking and, and and not in the traditional sense of networking, but in terms of building relationships with not just your team, but also with, with mentors. And that was the one thing with my career path. I had some really great mentors um, that I worked with over the years that that helped open the door for me because I put in the hard work because, you know, I would work 70 hours during the summer as a college student and, you know, 70 to 80 hours, sometimes picking up additional shifts and just putting in the hard work. And those mentors saw that. And I mentioned Dale Kessel earlier is one of my mentors, Melinda Ashcraft, who I know you guys are familiar with is one of my mentors. And, um, she was part president over Georgia for a, for a long time, part president at Fiesta, Texas and Kentucky Kingdom and a few other properties. And, um, you know, those mentors were very important to me to provide those opportunities. And that's one thing that I've tried to do as I've kind of gotten more established and older in my career is to be a mentor to people, to young leaders specifically that want to grow within this industry, because that's one of the things that I had learned uh, along the way. And. And, you know, it's those relationships is what opens additional doors for you. And, and you know, don't be afraid to network. Don't be afraid to reach out of your comfort zone. Don't, especially in today's age, when I started, there was no internet, right? So there was no, there was no cell phones there. I mean, we, everybody had the landlines that was connected in your mom's kitchen or whatever, you know, it, it's, it was very different times. So you had to get out and can, and, and now with technology where it is, it's so easy to build that network now. Um, so I, I would definitely recommend that. I think that is something that as you build those relationships, you know, those mentors, those people in leadership positions that may be higher than where you are, um, they can be your doorway into, into, uh, into greater things and into future opportunities. Awesome. That is really great advice. We, we really appreciate it, Greg. And uh, uh, this whole this whole interview has just been absolutely fantastic. And as we start to wind this down here, if people want to learn more about Anakista, if they want to get a hold of you directly, where would you send them? Yeah, absolutely. If um, I would go to anakista.com. Uh, that kind of gives you what, um, what we're all about and kind of gives you a good snapshot. Our website is phenomenal. It gives you a good snapshot of what it is. Um, and then my, I can give my email address too, if, if, if that's okay with you guys. And, and if there's, you know, attractions leaders out there, anybody that has questions, whether it's, you know, anything really, I, I, I like being open and available. So, uh, G Fuller at anakista.com. So it's real simple. G F U L L E R at anakista.com. Um, and yeah, and like I said, our website is a, is a tremendous resource as well to kind of show, show off all things anakista. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Greg, for your time today. We'll make sure that all that gets in the show notes and, and people can reach out and learn more about Anna Keista and get in touch with you as well. And for everybody out there who's watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.